Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank. Banking with greater momentum. At B1Bank.com. Sewers on the Boulevard, we're out to lunch with Stephanie Regal. Stephanie Regal is a broadcaster and editor of Baton Rouge Business Report. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. The old proverb says if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, but if you teach him to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. Learning something new changes one's perception of the world and opens so many doors. And being on the teaching end presents opportunities too. Today we have two guests on our show, both entrepreneurs who are creating opportunities through educational enterprises, companies they've created that are making money by teaching clients new things. The first is Peter Ranzino, Principal of Learning Sciences. It's a Baton Rouge company that creates web-based and mobile platforms that enable its clients to create educational and training programs for their employees. Those clients include some well-known national companies such as NBC Sports, Phillips 66, GlaxoSmithKline, LSU, and the Louisiana State Police. Peter has nearly two decades of experience in the field of e-learning. Since 2008, he's been president of Learning Sciences, and prior to that, he was president of another e-learning company. Peter, it seems like a field with limitless opportunities. We look forward to hearing your story. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Well, thank you. My next guest is Joey Como, founder and CEO of Cover 6 Training Academy, which is based in Church Point and offers year-round training for law enforcement, military, and first responders. Cover 6 is Louisiana's largest and only complete indoor training facility, and this is important because by using movable walls inside this facility, Cover 6 is able to create various building layouts like hospitals, schools, houses, banks, and hotels. Since its opening, thousands of law enforcement and first responders have traveled to South Louisiana for their training at Cover 6's facility, which is great, of course, for the local economy. Joey, it's a really great story. Thanks for being here on Out to Lunch. Thanks for having me. Peter, I'm going to start with you for a minute. Tell me, what is the business of learning exactly? Uh, the business of learning has uh, really evolved over the last 10 years. And uh, at one time, it was about uh, providing training programs with inside of an organization primarily to meet more regulatory compliant issues, be it employment law, safety and health, whatever it might be. But uh, over the last more so 10 years, it's really evolved to where organizations have begun to invest into their employees and in their training. Um, learning has now, for more advanced organizations, uh, has a seat at the C-level table now. Hmm. And they've created positions like chief learning officer. Those organizations So there's a CLO in, in, yeah. in Chief Learning Officer. In forward-thinking yes, companies now. In forward-thinking companies, yes, they're CLOs. And uh, their, their job is to increase performance uh, and productivity within the organization. And, and uh, so uh, learning used to be a component of HR, and it still is in many organizations. Mm -hmm. But again, more advanced thinking has pushed it into its own department. Now, those departments actually operate like a profit center. They have to justify their existence. 
and they have to be able to demonstrate a return on investment. Sure. So that's where it starts to turn into the business of learning. And uh, so it's kind of exciting to work with those type of organizations um, because they're so forward thinking. And so what kind of learning are we talking, are we talking about professional development? Are we talking about you know, interpersonal management style learning? All, or? Of, the, all of the above, okay. all of the above. Uh, it can be technical stuff? It can be technical, it can be anything from uh, again, professional development to communication skills, mm -hmm. uh, supervisory skills. Um, one particular case, we have a large petrochemical organization. Uh, baby boomers are retiring, moving out of the workforce. Millennials are coming in. And uh, we literally had to do a series of 35 courses to teach millennials how to communicate as a supervisor. <laughs> how do millennials communicate? This is interesting. Let's explore this for a minute. Mostly text or <laughs> yeah. they'll use other forms uh, to communicate with you. And so as they've grown up, what, what we've kind of noticed in our industry, as they've grown up and utilized more and more technology, their communication skills in terms of verbal use isn't as strong as some of the previous generations mm -hmm. where we all talked. Sure. So <laughs> it, it's kind of... It's, it, it's a it's whole a, different paradigm, it, it really is. When it we really all talked. Is. Yes, ma'am. So, but you need uh, to be able to communicate effectively face-to-face -face in business in order to be a successful business. Exactly, exactly. So and do you all design these curriculum, or do yes. you buy them from other providers? No, we do. All of our work is custom, and so we have a staff of instructional designers they typically have PhDs in adult learning theory or they have masters in education. They work with subject matter experts within the company uh, in terms of what the training needs to be. And their primary job is to identify what the learning objective is. Mm -hmm. When the person gets up and walks away from the machine, the training device, um, what do they need to know? And so they identify that. Once they identify that, it's kind of like drawing a blueprint of a house. Once we can identify that, we can build it. Uh, then we turn that over to our web development group who then builds uh, the content uh, to be pushed out through the web. Fascinating. And all of these people are here in Baton Rouge. Yes, ma'am. Well, Joey, I want to bring you in on the conversation because you also were involved in training, training law enforcement and first responders. I know that's a growing, very important field, and you've made Church Point ground zero for this, uh, you know, almost around the country. What makes Cover 6 unique? Uh, thank you for having me. Cover 6 was originally designed by law enforcement for law enforcement and we saw a need to help law enforcement and emergency responders get the type of training that the departments couldn't effectively afford as a whole to get. They'd have to send one or two out of state and it became very expensive. So we said let's start something here that they can all just come here and do it. Um, we did it in December of 2014. Um, unfortunate, 2015 had some major um, active shootings happen. Absolutely. Here locally and around the country. A private company started calling and saying, hey, we don't know what to do. Can you help us? Can you build a curriculum for us? So we got with DHH and, and a couple different agencies. Um, DHH here in Louisiana? Yes. Okay. And some federal agencies and said, what do you have? What, what, what is the standard now for active shooter protection and, and training? And it was simple. It was run, hide, fight. It's all that they had. And there was really nothing else to it. So we had to design a curriculum that shows you what to look for 
how to defend yourself, how to barricade in place, and, and, and how to fight back if you have to. And we take that now and we travel around the state with it. And we've been very successful with thousands of people that we've trained here in Louisiana so far, um, different private companies. And, and they've asked us to actually come to their facility and teach them and say, hey, show us in our building what, what's wrong with it, what, what are we doing wrong, how do we fix it. So we go in and we do a threat analysis on the location and we show all their soft points and their weak points. And then we come back and we teach them, hey, this is what to look for. And then we do a drill. Like like a school, for instance, or a company? or uh, a Private movie companies, theater or a movie, movie theater, hospitals, oil field companies, law offices, casinos. Schools, wow. everybody's getting on board with it. And there's a couple of smaller companies that are trying to help out with it and do the same thing that we're doing. We have 11 employees with us now. We have the a medical director, the only TC3 certified doctor in the state. TC3 is what? So it's a form of training where if you're injured, we teach you how to prepare yourself and how to deal with your wounded until... Uh, EMS gets there. Okay. So we have to actually show you this is what you're going to do if you're injured. Mm -hmm. um, it's not like the movies. If somebody comes in here and starts shooting, by the time EMS gets here to take care of us, one of us is probably bled out. Yeah. Wow. All of our employees are FBI certified and are current law enforcement members. Current, they're they are current they're law all, enforcement they're members. They're all current. Okay. They're either on SWAT, they're SWAT commanders, patrol supervisors, corporals. Wow. Um, some of the highest ranking ones we have are military, actually, um, FBI um, certified. We have one guy that I just brought in who just retired from the military. His specialty is anti-terrorism that we're bringing to the state now. So you are really, this is really catching on. And I would imagine th there's a lot of synergy. And so the more it grows and the more big names you bring in, the more, the easier it is to attract. It is. Companies are starting caliber. to realize that, hey, we're vulnerable and we don't know what to do. Um, and, and you didn't, it used to be if it happens. And now it's a matter of when is it going to happen again here. Mm -hmm. uh, Baton Rouge is a great example while we hear of what just recently happened. And yeah. unfortunately, they're copycats and it's never going to end. So we have to make everybody prepared for what to do when it happens now again. Do you also train law enforcement and, and first responders at like at your facility? Yes, ma'am, we do as well, like just to keep them up to speed. Just to keep them up to speed, and we have some federal agencies that come in that, I can't tell you who they are, but they come in and they ask for exclusivity of the building, they, they get the whole facility and they run their drills and they practice and they, they look at what we have and they, they take it back with them. And your facility, is is unique in that the walls are movable and it you can is customize it, the building that's to, correct. to simulate it's, a, a facility? It's a 75,000 square foot warehouse. It was a Fruit of a Loom building at one time and we've built in movable walls and doors so we can simulate any type of building that you want, anything you need, hallways, hospitals, movie theaters, classrooms, any type of room that you need, we can have it built. How expensive is it to bring you in and, and train it's you know, a my company or my employees? Sure, it's a per-person charge. It's very inexpensive right now um, because, I, personally, there's a lot of people that charge a lot more money than we do. Uh, there's a federal agencies that do it. It's really not 100% about the money. Yes, I do need to feed the family, but <laughs> we have to make it priced where you can afford to get the training. If I price it too high and somebody comes in who's not effectively trained to teach you, and can do it for cheaper, I feel like we failed you because you didn't get the right training. Yeah.
Do you work with LSU's disaster, Stevenson Disaster Institute at all? Or? No, we have not. We've talked to them about doing some training with them. They do a lot of in-house training. We've actually spoken and compared some training that we do. Mm -hmm. It's very, very similar. And it seems like there would be a lot of opportunities for, for partnership with, with government entities. There are. Uh, government entities do train themselves, but they s still talk to us, and we, we contact them pretty regularly and say, hey, is anything new? Um, that y'all are learning or that we learned and we share and we bounce stuff off of each other. And was it difficult to get financing to start up this new venture? When we started originally, I wanted to take on partners and investors and quite frankly, I said, let's just roll the dice and I'm going to finance it and we're going to do it. And, and I haven't looked back since and it's, it's fortunate in an unfortunate world that it's been successful. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. My guests today are Joey Como, CEO of Cover 6 Training Academy, and Peter Ranzino, Principal of Learning Sciences. Uh, Peter, has it been difficult to get financing for your business over the years? Um, well, an initially in that particular venture, uh, yes, uh, it was. We eventually got over that. Then uh, I was ended up being taken out of that particular venture by an investment group. Um, I sat on the sidelines through my non-compete. Um, and uh, kind of waited for that clock to tick. One of those situations where you're too young to retire and <laughs> too old to work too hard. Right. And uh, so um, I, I wait out for the non-compete and I just like what I do. I really enjoy learning and development. I enjoy e-learning mm -hmm. and uh, I enjoy all the different complexities that are involved in it and the type of clients that we work for. And uh, so I decided I wanted to be back in. So in the back of my head, I wrote a business plan and like you decided no investors, no more of that. And I was gonna do it on my own. I rolled the dice and, and, and relaunched. Is there a lot of competition in your field across the country? Yes. Who, who are your competitors? Uh, there, there are just numerous competitors. Um, uh, everyone from a Xerox really? to Deloitte. I mean, big boys that we mm -hmm. compete with, uh, to smaller independent, uh, just creative developers who sure. know how to build certain content. Uh, so it, it's it's a there are hundreds of e-learning developers out there, uh, if not thousands. So how do you all market your respective companies? And I, I'm pretty old school and. Um, uh, we don't really honestly do a whole lot of social media like a lot of the other companies do. Uh, I, I, I'm old school from the standpoint of build relationships. And then what we... So you're looking for referrals, word of mouth kind of thing? I, I, the majority of our business is purely 100% word of mouth. Wow. Uh, and I probably attribute 98% of all our businesses word of mouth. And we get referred from one organization to the other. Many of the organizations work for are larger companies, and so they have all these different departments. Mm -hmm. Each department has its own learning and development need. Sure. So once you get into a larger organization at that level, if you do a good job down the hall, the guy so down you, the hall also needs. You did NBC needs Sports, for instance. Yes. That, that that could get you a gig with NBC News, maybe, or some other yes, well, it, or Universal it, or whatever. It, yeah, it, that, exactly right. NBC Sports, and that particular organization was our first. Uh, client, um, which came from a referral from Fox News Group, oh. is how we got to NBC Sports. Uh, then NBC, we did the started doing jobs for NBC Sports, and then NBC Universal Corporate called us, and Fantastic. so now we're working for more at the global level. 
right, other right. than just the sports division. So. What about you, Joey? How do you all market and advertise? So, like you, it's, it's old school. There was my money on the line, and then if I didn't bring any money in, we weren't going to eat. So I had to just go out and pound the pavement and knock on as many doors as I could. And people weren't that receptive at first. To they were not. They, they weren't because the threat wasn't local. Um, mm-hmm. I often compare us to a, a generator company. Nobody buys a generator until the hurricane's in the Gulf. So... <laughs> That's and it. it. I mean, that is totally it. It, it really is, and it's unfortunate that it finally hit in Louisiana, and we kept saying, it'll happen here, it'll Was happen. Was that when we had the Lafayette the shooting Lafayette, the Lafayette, in the movie theater? In the movie theater, and, and unfortunately, uh, it was... It was a bad situation that was handled very well by our local law enforcement. Those yes. guys actually work for us and are some of our trainers who are first on scene. They, they did a tremendous job. They do not get enough credit for the job that they did because it's overshadowed by the loss, which is, is a shame, but it could have been a lot worse. Um, the next day we signed three contracts and people said, okay, you're right, it's gonna happen. The next day? The next day. We wow. signed three contracts with three major hospitals and it from there it's been, hey, I heard about you, I saw you on TV, I heard you on the radio, I saw you on, in the newspaper, I saw you somewhere, or a hospital called and said, hey, we're doing this training. A mm-hmm. uh, hospital have different coalition groups that they speak at and they said, hey, this is what we're doing. And, and, and just like any business, everybody wants to have a leg up on somebody else's business. So all four companies, um, unfortunately, the, the oil industry went down, yeah. and they started getting very scared. Hey, we're laying off people that are making a lot of money, and we're scared that they come back. And, and it's unfortunate. That part hasn't happened here as much as it happened in, in Texas, right. but it does happen. So they bring us in, and we train them what to do. And word of mouth has just spread. It's, it's, we're very fortunate. I still make cold calls. I still knock on doors, and people say, "Oh, yeah, I know who you are now." And and it's it's very uh, it's it's very nice to be able to hear that. Joey, what what should you do if somebody pulls a gun on you? I mean, if somebody burst in here to this dining room, and what are the best practices? It, it really, I, I wish I could give you an exact blueprint of what to do. It depends on the situation. I get asked a thousand times, "What would you have done if you were in the Grand Theater shooting when you when it happened? What would you have done?" Mm-hmm. And I tell everybody, I don't know because it depends on where I was sitting. If I'm sitting next to the guy and I know he's, I can see his weapon. I'm used to hear a gunfire. I'm gonna pull mine out and I'm gonna take him down. But if I'm near the bottom, first thing I'm doing is getting my family out, getting them to safety, find an exit. The biggest thing I can tell people is wherever it is you go, look for the other exit because there always are other exits. A gas station, a restaurant, Walmart, it doesn't matter where you go, get out. I I don't want anybody to be the hero. There's an exit right here. I want you to take that exit. I want you to turn this table on its side, and I want you to hit the door. And I suppose it's it's, sort of dark as it is a way to think, but... Every time we go into a big public facility now, we should probably be very aware of that. We, we definitely should. There are a lot of situations that happen, a lot of events that happen that are not made public because nobody wants that image of, hey, it happened at my location. But it happens a lot, and we get the call saying, hey, this happened. Come help us out. I, you know, after the summer that, that we had here this, this past year, all over the globe, I mean, it was the incidents every, every time you opened the paper or turned on your phone, you know, there was some Two weeks horrific... Ago terrorist incident with people just wreaking havoc on on you know innocent people in public places and i don't know how you get your arms around that kind of threat you don't stop it you can only be prepared for it Uh, people ask all day how do we stop this you can't You, you you can't stop drinking and driving you can't stop drug abuse and you can't stop shootings you just have to be prepared for it 
Right. Or even the, the knife attacks that we heard about in Europe. Absolutely. Tell me, y'all, slightly different tactic here, but is, is there an adequate talent pool here in Louisiana for the companies that you run, for the trainers that you need, and the, the people who de develop your curricula, for instance? Or do you have to bring in people from the outside? Uh, absolutely not. There are more qualified law enforcement officers or deputies here in Louisiana that I wish I could afford to hire them all because their knowledge is second to none. They've been on the scene, they've seen this in real time, they, they train for it and they can express and teach how to prevent it. See, so that's good to hear because you don't hear that in every field, right. certainly. It's but not, in law enforcement, you feel like we have a depth of talent here. I would put Louisiana's law enforcement agencies against any in the country, believe it or not. I, I've been around the U.S. to a lot of states and I've met a lot of different departments and you would be amazed of how hard the, the agencies here train. Is it just because life here is so rough they have to be prepared? I, I think it's because of who we were and who, mm -hmm, who mm -hmm. how we grew up. We grew up shooting guns, we grew up hunting, we, we grew up in a different time where it wasn't a violent time, but we weren't scared to stand up in the fin and use our gun. And, and people grew up and they joined the military or they went into law enforcement and they gathered those skills and they put them to use. And everybody wants to continue to train. And, and believe it or not, even in this town, this is, I, there's some very, very well-trained deputies and officers in this town that I would put against Los Angeles, Washington, D.C., and we would win. That is so interesting. What about in your field, Peter? Do you find that? It's it's tough. It's tough. We're a little bit of a specialized niche. Yeah. And uh, while, um, for example, when we uh, hire and we interview uh, instructional designers that I mentioned, mm -hmm. you know, they've really been trained more for the classroom, not necessarily corporate learning, and there's a big difference. And these are people maybe with, with expertise in education, yes. PhDs yeah. in education or right, something. Right, right. And, and so we kind of, um, uh, we've got to kind of talk them into the, the thinking about it from a corporate perspective. They have the skill set, uh, how do we teach people something, right? But we have to get them from thinking about doing it in a high school or even in a college environment, but think about it from a corporate level, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, same thing on the technical field. Um, we have a lot of gifted graphic designers and artists and, and uh, computer science majors, um, but we have to teach them how to utilize those technologies and their skill sets to do learning, They're not just right. build a quote-unquote website or a database of some sort. So I mean, it, it seems like there would be a lot of coding involved in all this too, not just it, it creative is. stuff, it it's is. serious it is. coding and, stuff. And, and as technologies continue to evolve, yeah. then it becomes a little bit more complex. Our business model of how we produce content today is not even close to what it was 18 months ago. Yeah. And so we're constantly evolving and upgrading and updating. 18 months ago, that's crazy. And that was just it the is. other day. Yeah, I know, it feels like But it like seems it. like a lot of your people could work out of state or could work remotely and just mm -hmm. get with and you face do. to face we, every couple of weeks. Yeah, we, we do have uh, some of our developers who do work out of state. You know, and uh, uh, who work remotely for us, and uh, so and we built specialized environments so that you know we can communicate better, more collaboratively, sure. while we're you know apart, so to speak. Can small businesses take advantage of, of your training, or is it only sure. for big companies? No, we do have we have smaller companies as well that that come in, um, and it's it's a matter of we not we may not build all the bells and whistles 
if you will, for certain organizations. But uh, yes, we have smaller companies too. I mean, we we gravitate to more of the larger companies simply because of the need and what they're looking to do is execute learning by thousands and thousands of people at a time in a day. Mm -hmm. So we'll turn on a system and you may hit 10,000 employees in one day. And uh, so I the smaller companies don't have obviously that need, but so we'll have to tone that back a little bit. And again, everything we do is custom. It's a custom approach. So what your need is, we can, we can deliver that approach. We're just about out of time, but I want to ask you each, before we go, what, what is your end game? Do you want to go national? Do you want to sell the company ultimately, cash out and make a big fortune? Or um, You know, I, I created Learning Sciences. I, I went from an organization previously that had uh, investors in it, and we raised a bunch of venture capital, and it was all about becoming the next Google, for lack of a better term. Uh, and uh, you know it's really at the end of the day it's not me so for learning sciences what I wanted was a much smaller customized company and what I decided I really wanted to build was what I consider a lifestyle business and okay. that lifestyle business is what do I need to generate in sales and profits to support my lifestyle and that of my employees and give them a secure safe work environment mm -hmm. stable uh, to let them do what they do. We have some very dedicated, passionate people that work for us, have been very fortunate. Uh, they love what they do. And so my job is just to give them that environment and let them do their thing and get out of their way is, is what I work hard at doing. But it, for me, learning science is a lifestyle business that I hope to turn over to the management team at some point. I like that. What about you, Joey? My goal has always been to blanket Louisiana, and once we get that blanketed, then we'll take jobs out of state. We get called a lot to go out of state, and I'm from here. This is where I started. I want to make sure Louisiana is covered, safe, and protected first, and then we'll grow. Um, and then we'll take it out of state, and, and I don't want to sell. I get asked a lot, hey, would you be interested in selling your company? And you know, I have certain people that, hey, we want to invest, and, and it's not what I'm looking for. This is a company that I want to continue to grow so that my kids get the choice to sell it or mm -hmm. run it. Wonderful. Well, Peter Ranzino and Joey Como, it's great to hear about companies that have hit on a successful business model by providing a better service and making others better at what they do. So we look forward to great things coming out of you two and your companies. Thanks so much for joining me on Out to Lunch. Thanks for having us. Thank you. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Peter Ranzino, president of Learning Sciences, and Joey Como, founder and CEO of Cover 6 Training Academy. You can find out more about Learning Sciences and Cover 6 Training Academy by following the links on our websites. It's batonrouge.la and wrkf.org. Today's show is recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily from 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. You can see photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Facebook page. These photos are taken by Ken Stewart. All the music on Out to Lunch is composed and performed by Mitchell Foreman. You can find more of Mitchell's music wherever great jazz is streamed or sold and at mitchellforeman.com. 
You can get this show as a podcast, you can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites. It's batonrouge.la and wrkf.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for It's Baton Rouge.LA and WRKF 89.3 FM. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. And by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum at b1bank.com.